rung, and welcome to another edition of the Icon Showdown podcast. I'm your trusty host, Enan Hennigan, and with me today is the one and only Chris Pagnosi. How are you feeling today, Chris? So good. I'm back. Hell yeah, you're back for the third time. This is third actually time. the uh, the 10th episode. You're on the first and the 10th, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. And the third, but here we are on the 10th. We've made it this far, man. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be talking about movies from 1997 um, that are mainstream horror, and we are pitting I Know What You Did Last Summer against The Devil's Advocate, which, believe it or not, we just realized came out on the exact same day, October 17th, 1997. Did you see either one in the theater? Uh, no, neither. I saw them both in the theater. Really? Indeed. Uh, strangely enough, in uh, my hometown, Downers Grove, there was um, two theaters across the street from each other that were mm-hmm. first-run theaters. Uh, one was the Cineplex Odeon. I can't remember the name of the other one, but it was like they were rival theaters, and they'd each have the different half of the top-rung movies at the time. I saw Devil's Advocate at the one, and I know what you did last summer at the other wow. one. So I remember I remember seeing I know what you did last summer more, but we'll get, we'll get more into that when we get to personal connections. Yeah. So as we do in this podcast, we break it down in terms of... Uh, criterias and we give it numbers to determine which then is the most iconic of the year the one that should take the cake if you will so we're going to break it down in terms of antagonists ensembles surviving characters settings deeper meanings and the fright factor so right off the bat let's dive into i know what you did last summer which is appropriate considering it is so water heavy mm-hmm. right uh, ocean themed um what is the hook let's call him the hook right is the fisherman the also fisherman. Known ben willis i believe right. is his first name unless you want to suggest there's another antagonist involved beyond him. No, no. You don't think so? Well, I think there might there might be. We could argue it all goes down because of one character. Yeah, I, I know what you're about to say, but at, at the core of this story, it is a revenge The overt, overt killer, right, yeah, is yeah. absolutely Ben Willis the Fisherman, a.k.a. The Hook. What is his motivation? Uh, revenge. Pure revenge and heartache, right? It's right. revenge not only because he got ran over by them, but simultaneously he lost, lost. his daughter. Right. So he's got all this inner turmoil, and it seems like he's a man alone now, right? Right. We didn't get any he insinuation has, he has a wife. Yeah. I not No, I don't think that's mentioned, and he has nothing to lose. So I, I, I really believe he's pissed off more than anything, and mostly because he was left for dead. I completely agree with you. And to be honest with you, he kind of comes off like an angry white man, like MAGA style right now. I feel like it is. You mentioned it might be reduxed with James Wan as a TV series. Yes. For Amazon. Could see them taking an angle with like, yeah. Right. It could be. Angry white guy. Or they could go a complete opposite direction and you don't know who he is. Maybe it's a new new angle. Okay. You don't know who's behind Do you think they'll stick with like a oceanic sort of vibe though? Oh. Is it always going to be? Well, it's, yeah. If they want to use the the fisherman and um, right. that whole angle, I think. The hook. Be, yeah, I mean, you could smart. theoretically be a fisherman on a lake maybe. I mean, yeah. Could, they could do Chicago, right? right? Chicago's not out of the running. <laughs> what about the aesthetic? Um, in terms of how our fisherman looks, does he give you that, that I don't know, scurry vibe? I... First of all, define how he looks. Well, he's in a rain slicker. Um, mm-hmm. You can't see really anything on him. You, you, the thing that stands out the most is his hook. It shines, and even in the moonlight. And you can't see his face. It, it appears to be covered by the slicker. And then there, there's a pretty cool hat. What What is that hook normally used for for fishermen? I, I believe it's for, like, picking things up. Picking things up? I think it's for, like, to assist and... Um, like, you know, heavy things, you would hook into it to lift a fish, whether like it's a, like a, a big net or like yeah. a fish. It wouldn't be to actually like gut a shark or something no, like that. No, I don't that, believe you know so. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I 
I'd be curious to find out exactly. My bet would be that, you know, they're out there on the ocean, so they're going after larger uh, fish. True. That's a good point. So just like they're we're slippery, talking big they're old heavy. boys, they don't want to actually touch them. Yeah. They could have spiny scales or whatever the hell. It's an opportunity yeah. to pick it up without your hands. Um, what I like about his aesthetic is that he is living in a fisher's a fisher town, right? Or yeah. a fishing town, fishing village, if you will, Southport. Yeah. Um, so he can walk around as this killer and not look suspicious, especially at night. You would right. see him walking around. It's not like ghost face There's... walking around. People are going to be suspicious. Right. Uh, he can get away with murder. Yeah. I think the only thing that was suspicious about it is if you were to look at the time of year, it is July 4th. Oh. And it would be really warm. In North Carolina. It would be very hot. That's true. That's true. Though, there are several other scenes where you see other gentlemen in the same thing, mm. you know? Plus, out at sea, it might be cold it at night. Be wet. Or it's yeah. appropriate. It's like, you know, I'll probably drop to 55 or something at night or something. And they want to stay dry-ish. Yeah, there's a whole other smell going on there. That's a good point. When we get to setting, I want to talk about that because I could, like, smell the movie throughout it almost. Um, in terms of his vocalization, we get to... Not hear him when he's in the slicker at all, right? Mm, correct. He, do, he doesn't speak it. But no, not until much. No, no, no. You're right. I don't think we do. I don't think we hear him in the slicker, but we do hear him, of course, at the end, uh, right. the climactic scene. What do you think of that vocalization? It was pretty great. I pretty, think it's pretty great, too. Pretty raspy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mean, it, angry white guy, yeah. like, came through. And if that it was, in fact, the first time we heard him, it was it was a pretty good payoff. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, you wait all this time, and you want you would have been very dis- discouraged or did you know immediately that it was him? Um. Do you mean rewatching? Because in it? that moment, we think it's where the red herring is that it's Freddie Prince Jr. and he's right. Billy Blue. No, th- those were all very silly misdirections. You think they were, they're all right, yeah. too twisty, Magoos? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. fair. Um, originality of this big bad. What do you think? I like it. I like it. I, I hadn't seen anything, especially, you know, to bring back the slasher character after the 80s really hit it home. Like, yeah pounded that into the ground you're surprised that you're like oh this is kind of original yeah but, but the screenwriter also created ghostface yeah Kevin the year Williams before said the year before no he wrote this first didn't, oh really they couldn't sell it he couldn't sell this no script kidding. he sold scream first and after the success of scream i think it was columbia pictures scooped that up they're like all right we'll do your other film too uh, it does make a lot of sense. You can see it in the way the characters are constructed and the way that they talk, yeah. especially. Oh, yeah. It does His have dialogue. a very Kevin Williamson vibe. Yeah. And also, apparently, it was based on a novel. Yes. Which I the, just learned today. Yeah, a 1973 novel. I, I do not remember the author's name, but she um, very uh, openly hates this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it doesn't stick like to it? She did not like the adaptation. She didn't have killing in her book. Oh. And I believe there was something more personal. She lost her daughter. I think her oh. daughter may have even been murdered. Okay. So for this, you know, so her body of work to be, yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. That's a little cringy. Yeah. Like you could see. So, but the, it is the third sequel being about her, right? Coming after the producers <laughs> yeah, of right. yeah. these movies. But yeah, it was a book. <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, I found that fascinating. I also think it's original in terms of horror and a slasher. Um, but, I mean, we see the father uh, who's lost his daughter, lost his wife, getting revenge mm-hmm. in multiple other kind of like a horror version of Braveheart a little bit. I could have seen Liam Neeson right. being the fisherman at the end based on <laughs> yeah. the roles he's taken. But in terms of the genre, I think it did go places that we haven't seen before. That's true. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, you want to tell me what you gave it for a score as we go along, just so we have a... a sense oh for for antagonist so yeah, out of a yeah out of four pentagrams what would you give the hook uh three i go to 3.5 okay so yeah. we're kind of in line there yeah. we're kind of it was what what you why'd you ding it up pentagram 
Um, you know, I I think it was originality. I think because it felt so different. Even though people are going to compare this movie, they'll be like, oh, another slasher. It, it had its own legs to stand on. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I do. Although I can't remember. I know I saw the sequel, but I, I can't remember a darn thing about no, the No, no. And it, yeah, and we can talk about how this one ends and how the oh, yeah. sequel would pick yeah. up. I don't. I, I, yeah. Um, I, I do like that last scene, though. Um, okay, let's yeah. pop over to The Devil's Advocate okay. um, and discuss our big, big, bad, there's yeah. no better than <laughs> Al Pacino as the devil. Yeah. What did you think about this, uh, this Al Pacino as the devil? I, you know, I can't remember how many different actors have played the devil in, mm-hmm. in, in like Hollywood history, but this was very fun. The best! Very, Who plays the devil better than very him? Very fun. I think and, he owns it. Oh, yeah. And the, the amount of monologues that he gets, it's like right. four or five that are just Some brilliant. amazing lines. Yeah. Uh, what is it? My favorite of his is like, you don't want him, let him see you coming. Right. right? Ultimately, being evil is about being... Kind of under, yeah, undercover. Which is exactly really. how you would probably describe the devil in, in the Bible. True. You know? in, interesting enough, his name is John Milton in it. John Milton wrote mm, Paradise, Paradise Lost, Lost, which is about yeah. you know the fall of mankind mm-hmm. altogether. What is his motivation though? Because uh, I just did Needful Things recently. He just likes to stir up trouble within a single town, sure. make some mayhem within a small zone. Because he's not as all powerful. Mm-hmm. He can't uh, split himself up in the way. Al Pacino's devil can multiply right. and be two places at once. Yeah. So what does this like all-powerful devil want? This this devil wants something very specific. He wants a family. I think you're right. I think he, you know, I mean, without just jumping out to, I mean, to the end and, and basically saying the whole plot, he wants to get his son and his daughter right. to create the Antichrist. Uh, indeed. So, I mean, I mean, if you think about the origin of the devil, Lucifer, fallen angel, fallen angel. God doesn't love him in the same way. I mean, right. he does, but he's, you know, he not wants... loved like the other angels mm-hmm. ultimately are. So yeah. I think you're right. He does want family. He wants, he wants family. to be loved in yeah. a way that is really hard for somebody as Just murderous un- yeah. and maniacal as the devil. Sort of unheard of. Um, of course, beyond that, I think he does want to kind of, at least what we see up until the Antichrist reveals, he wants to destroy humanity. So yeah, yeah. control the world yeah. to a certain degree, because that's the implication of the Antichrist, the Antichrist that he would be. The fall of man. And yeah, th- there, there's a certain level of chaos he's creating throughout the, the film, like the scene on the subway mm. where he's just having fun with I it. Know. But he's basically telling this guy who wants to stab him to go stab somebody else. Right. So I think there is something to his desire for balance. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he sees the necessity of yeah. evil as much as good because, yeah. I mean, what's good without evil sort of thing? Right. How you do you know? E- you could even argue that the um, the very first case in this movie where it opens up on Keanu defending somebody who you find out is, mm. you know. Yes. But, but with the devil's influence, you know, this guy getting off could also be part of his plan, you know, to create more or to free to have the 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 evil people to walk free will, right? right? To be able to be out there and do whatever they want. I do find it interesting though that we do learn that this uh, essentially child molester that he gets off at the beginning uh, ultimately does kill a young girl later. We learn this from the, yeah. the Justice Department person who tries to, you know, mm-hmm. warn him on the streets. I I do think that was a pretty significant moment where kind of his guilt uh, stewed really in a way that it hadn't even prior. I mean, he'd lost his wife already at this point, I think. Yeah. Mayor had been done. Yes. But I think that one sunk in more than any. So it makes me wonder if 
in the eyes of the devil, the devil, would he have maybe rethought of letting him lose that one so sure. that he didn't have that kind of moment with Weaver, I think, no, on the street? you're right. That it sunk in? I don't know. I'm just... It also seems, though, that, that the devil is much, you know, it, it seems like he's got things planned, but not everything goes to his plan. That's true. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No. It, or, or he doesn't think things through. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. He's a little spontaneous. Yeah. Um, a little, it follows his gut maybe too much. Yeah. Um, aesthetic of our our villain, what did you think? <laughs> well, uh, fun. You know, d- just the fact that it's Al Pacino is, is pretty fantastic. I-, I also could say the reveal of his true self at the very end was kind of fun as mm-hmm. well. You know, the, Absolutely. Uh, even though you only get a real tiny glimpse at that, it, it's almost creepier that he just looks like... Yeah. Anybody uh, else? Well, not anybody else. I mean, but yeah, looks like I'm just a man. I think when you talk about the originality of it, the devil as someone that's uh, in charge of a, a law firm, a, like an all powerful law yeah. firm, a multi international mm-hmm. law firm, and just to have him in a, in a beautiful suit, you know, yeah. just like yeah. everyone else. Um, and actually, a lot of times you see him walking around, like we talked about before, in disguise, you know, that's like true. in like okay, schlubby clothes, just or trying to fit a in. member of the press, you that's know, right. like just, yeah. Um, beyond that, what do you think in terms of his vocalization? Did that hit it on the head for you? Did he sound like the devil? Well, no, not 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 what you would would imagine, or you have been, you know, misled by Hollywood that he's supposed to have like this demon voice. But I, I think it's fun in, in Pacino's voice. Yeah, it's super slick and condescending. Yeah. I think it's perfect, uh, and it's a good contrast to uh, his son Kevin Lomax's kind right. of drawl and <laughs> yeah. A little softer, softer touch there. So what are we giving him in terms of pentagrams? I mean, four. pentagrams was for four, him, right? Four for, four for the devil. Four, four. All right, so Devil's Advocate takes the lead. Let's pop back over to I Know What You Did Last Summer and talk about the ensemble, which yeah. I really like. With one exception. How uh, did you feel about it? Well, you know, I I, enjoy, I, <laughs> I really, really like three of these actors. I know, me too. Me too. <laughs> uh I assume we're both talking about Freddie Prince. Yeah. Freddie Prince <laughs> yeah. is the weak link here. He really is. This is where he fell in love with Sarah Michelle Geller and they got married is. and they're still married to this day. I know. So if nothing else, that's good. But, you know, he just really has a tough time emoting. I didn't right. think, I didn't believe him in, in many no. scenes. He did not have chemistry so he with. he really took down the ensemble for me. I completely agree. The chemistry with Jennifer Love wasn't there. I didn't no. see like any sort of affection from her. And granted, they do kind of have that rocky relationship throughout. And he is kind of the kind of stupid townie, you know, if yes. you will. So yeah, they really gave him. Like it a... didn't ruin the movie. No, no. And he he had bought some. I don't know. Goodwill with me with she's all that he's not yeah. he's not a great actor yeah. right he's not a, even a good actor no. but he's himself his presence I felt like fit the role but compared to the other three around him he was bringing them down yeah yeah uh, and and you know um, I thought uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Jennifer Love Hewitt were perfect pitch like, perfect well, they, yeah they, they really nailed the whole um, horror scream queen um, one of them which final girl Hell but yeah. Ryan. Uh, Felipe. Felipe. I'm a big fan. Of awesome him. character. Yeah, really great. I mean, his acting was great. I thought he was funny. Yo, chum bait, take a, <laughs> take a hike. He's got you at the very start of the movie. That yeah, you're like, that's but, true. I mean, but he's also uh, frustrating at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's just his character, which I thought he delivered on. 
we kind of actually um, buzzed by the insinuation that he could be considered ultimately the other antagonist in yeah. this film yeah. because his alcoholism is ultimately what which, leads which led to the to, car crash and his um, arrogance. Yeah, you know, and, or just selfishness. Like I'm not going to go down for this. Lack of empathy. He's yes, the first one. No like, empathy. Let's get rid of the body. Right. Right. Was he the first one to suggest that? Well, I yeah, think I he was. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 But um, then, but then everyone else was except for. One person was kind of like quick to just like, okay, right. let's Our do final it. girl, of course. And I did buy the romance, even though the irony is you have Sarah Michelle and Freddie Prince ending up in real life together. Yeah. I thought Helen and Barry's uh, dynamic was much more compelling yeah. than Julian Ray's because you kind of have this weird, like abusive sort of thing going on where she's so vapid and he's so like bullish that, I don't know, it just, it, I believed that they would be together. It, yeah. And like in this town, like they right. made sense that like they were these high school sweethearts. It just felt yeah right. It's like what the rich people in a sea town would breed sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. That does make a lot of sense. Um, we do get a lot going on with his alcoholism, and I feel like she kind of positions herself as the victim often. Um, and that's something I want to talk more about with the, the deeper meaning, but just the wealth disparity. I think there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. And just Ray's kind of being the worst actor kind of makes sense because he's the he's the lesser in a, I, a classist sense. Right. I will throw Max in there as well. Yes, Johnny, Johnny Galecki. Galecki, I thought, was really, really good. Um, I've always enjoyed him as a performer. Uh, I think I liked him better back then, pre-Big Bang Theory. I, I never, I never watched Big Bang Theory. That was oh, really? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, a bit. But well, I, I agree. I, I, I thought he was, it was kind of like his character was kind of fun. Very you know, like interesting. He, he, I think we were supposed to empathize with him, but he was kind of a dick. Uh, well, he was kind of a dick. He was kind of a dick. He was I mean, resentful. So, so yeah, you've got Barry going after him and always calling him a chum bait and yeah. telling him to get lost, but. He wasn't. He was mean to like uh, Ray. Like when they pull up, and he's like, "That's true." Really, yeah, he was just. Kind of, <laughs> and Ray was pretty tolerant yeah. of him, you know, so, especially right. considering he's going after Ray's girl, right? And not Ryan Felipe is right. He was just a complete dick to him. So you, I think he was kind of complex. Kind of a dick, like, but, but I think he, he, you know, if you're gonna lump him into the ensemble, kind of helps balance out. Um, <laughs> Freddie Prince's lack of, True. of emotion. And we have a dichotomy of the, who became fisherman between those two, right? Johnny right. Galecki and Ray. I mean, you would think Johnny Galecki's character, since he was so fawning over Julie James, who is, is uh, framed as one of the smartest characters in the mm-hmm. film, that he might have, that's where they connected? Like they sure. were nerds together, like tutored yeah, each other well, yeah, or something? Yeah, that's what I I'm guess. getting. He's like, we've known each other forever. Yeah. So I'm thinking from school. Okay, so it's just a, a temporal thing more than any sort of intellectual bond. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe you pointed out that the way he's he kind of, is a jerk kind of points kind of, to his ignorance. Yeah, which is, yeah, did not help him. Um, but I do like his death. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple other uh, peripheral characters I, I do want to mention because I think they did Let's a do. really interesting job. Anne Heche. Oh, yeah. You never see Anne yeah. Heche these days. And I, I loved seeing her. I thought she, she was had, a great little side fun. character and instrumental. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, and, and not just her, but uh, Bridget Wilson. Bridget Wilson as Elsa. Yeah. Great sister character. Great. Awesome dynamic between those I, two. I enjoy her as well. Even though she was such a bitch to Sarah Michelle's <laughs> yeah, character. Yeah. Like, I almost understood where she was coming from because sure. Sarah Michelle's character is so vapid up mm-hmm. until, you know, this tragic thing happens to her and she's ruins her pretty much. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I really liked her kill too. We'll talk about that later. Yes. Yes. Um, diversity here. Did you see any people of color, uh, different sort of sexualities going on? Anything of that nature? You know, um, no. There's one person of color, as far as I knew. It is Julie's friend from college ultimately oh, drops you're right. her off. You're right. But, but, but what a... 
what are, I don't want to say unnecessary character. Yeah. You literally have her driving her around and then dropping her mail off. Right. She, we don't see the person who gives her the mail at the end, right? But the I tag. think she says her name. Okay. I at least she it, got a name. She got some lines, so she's getting a little chump change I mean, for if it. If you were looking at IMDb, I don't even think she's got a headshot on here. I don't. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, kind of like a, a unnecessary character. Yeah. No, I mean, they just squeezed in some diversity. What did you think of um, Jennifer Love Hewitt's mom? Uh, forgettable. Yes. Except for, I mean,. There's only the scene at the house, right? Yeah, where she says, are you on drugs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, frankly, that the whole Jennifer Love Hewitt at home stuff is the, the parents, most boring stuff, slowest part of the movie for the me. The parents in this movie were very secondary, just sort of like in the background. Yeah, but Helen's the dad's father, just there drinking, yeah. right? Well, he owns the store that, that uh, Bridget takes over, running yeah, it. So he's right. just literally like in the background, like in a recliner. We could talk about that when we get to deeper meanings even, too. Okay. Just the, the depiction of parents. I hadn't thought about that till yeah. just now, but you're right on that one. Um, so what are we giving it in terms of pentagrams for the ensemble? Or what you did know, you give it? <laughs> Uh, maybe I'm a little harsh because of Freddie Prince. Prince took it down a lot for you? I put it a two. Oh, I'm just going to ding it one star because of Freddie Prince because yeah. I love the other three. Um, and the next worst is probably Jennifer Love, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And then Sarah Ryan Philippe's won an Oscar, hasn't he, for something? Or has he been nominated? Am I crazy? I think he's been nominated. Okay. Maybe he's a supporting. Uh, I thought he was great. Jenny Galecki was great. Uh, and like like we mentioned, Bridget Wilson was a lot of fun. Um, so I don't know. I'll give it a three. Yeah. In terms maybe, of maybe a I was whole. Just, because I'm putting up against this other ensemble. Yes. Okay, let's bust over to Devil's Advocate where you got A-list galore, yeah, right? We're talking yeah, about maybe, putting B-listers and right. I know what you did. But at the time, they were like... Big shots, yeah. sort of. I Coming mean, off of Party of Five. Party of Five, I think Buffy was still on Buffy. at that time. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. 1997, yeah. Nicolucky, I think it, like, it was just actually popping. and... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but there's still these TV yeah, actors look trying over, to make the switch to film where I think we have much more. Yeah, this other founded, cast yeah. is just stacked. Yeah, 100%. Who stuck out to you? Well, let's let, as we did it with Freddie Prince, who's the weak link here? Um, I hate to say it. Charlize. Charlize is amazing to me. No, 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 no. I, I'm just trying to think like who you who you might think because Keanu, I, come on. Well, no, I love Keanu. So do I, and, and he has actually been criticized for this his acting in this movie. But I, I think it gets better as the movie goes along. Yes. The more I feel, Keanu Reeves' acting is so much better when there's more urgency. Yeah. When shit's a little boring at the top, I yeah. feel like you don't get enough from him, and he was struggling with the accent at times. He's not very good at pretending like yeah, he's drunk. Yeah, the accent was probably a mistake. He didn't but, need to come from the south. Could have been a small you talk town. smack about Keanu Reeves, you get in trouble. So that's all yeah, we yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan. John, I love him too. John Wick all the way. I mean, yeah, he's kind of he's one of those I, like Jimmy Stewart sort of figures where you just like watching whatever he's doing for the most. Yeah. Part. Um, but yeah, I, I would say in terms of the rest of the cast, no, that's, he that's was, interesting. It was my issue. That. Yeah. Okay. If you were to recast him, who would you put in there instead of Keanu? Yeah. Uh, and in '97, are you saying? Ooh, maybe. I mean, you could even play now. I, I know that's a tough question. Uh, you can put it on the back burner if you want. No, it's it's a good question. Like, who would you put? Who else could have done it? Yeah, at that time, I'm, I'm not sure. Leonardo I'm not sure. DiCaprio. Myself. Maybe Leo could have been good. Um, I will admit that Keanu and Pacino's aesthetics are kind of closer together. Well, he almost looks like he would be a son. Exactly. That makes sense. Especially at the end, and we can talk about that. But um, so Which relationships did you like? Which ones did you believe? Which do you think was developed the most? You know, as far as developed the most, it may be like 
Pacino and Charlize Theron. Like their their oh relationship was really creepy. It was. It sort of drove her mad. Yeah. Or it did. I completely agree. That just the tension between uh, the devil and ultimately the devil's son's wife. Um, yeah. When she's all, she's dying to have a baby, right? And he is yeah. really the crux of why that's never going to happen. Correct. I love that. I actually, I, th- I thought the relationship between Kevin and Mare was also pretty decent. I, I feel like you really yeah. saw a strong yeah. bond between them, and you you saw it like degrade right. so profoundly. Yeah. I mean, there's that really great um, shot where Keanu takes a break from the, the courtroom and he takes his ring off and puts it on the oh yeah on the ledge when he washes his hands, sort of foreshadowing how the relationship won't necessarily going to disintegrate. Yeah, make it. And, I mean, I could see his pain, even though their relationship was kind of in the gutter when she was put in the psych, psych right. ward. Um, yeah, when she takes herself out, he's trying to get into the room. Yeah, that's, yeah it was emotional. Yeah. That was really, that and, was really and, powerful and, and for that me. that moment after, where Keanu was on the ground, that was... Uh, see, yes. that's where I'm like, you know, I don't think you guys gave Keanu enough credit. Fair. And I do think when shit's intense, he yeah. is good. He brings it. It's just when... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. You're doing a southern um, accent. Yeah, yeah. Um, beyond that, I really like some of the peripheral characters, uh, like Jackie, the neighbor, I thought was really good. When yes. we first see her kind of turn into the demon when they are trying on clothes. Yeah, that purple dress oh, shot. So good. Yeah. So freaky. One of, That's one of the scarier scenes for me. I agree. Um, actually, anytime you saw the people that were working for the devil, kind of when and they're in mirrors or whatever, when they turn into yeah. these demons, and it's a demon like I've never seen before either. I felt like the demons were pretty fresh looking. Yeah, you're right. Um, diversity in this one? Uh, I think there's just the the, the other lawyer um, and his wife, Jackie, you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have, I think it kind of like runs the gamut. You get a good sense of what's going on in New York City. Yeah, and, um, and to mention, I was alluding towards that, that uh, scene on the train. Right. Yeah, that's the other diversity in the... That being said, the depiction of know, Latino culture there is good. not ideal. Not ideal. Um, at least they're there. I don't I know. know. Um, yes, and and additionally, you do have the $15 million African-American character yeah. who sacrifices goats. That, that's the first one that he defends yes, for yes, the health code situation. Um, Delroy Lindo, isn't Delroy it? Delroy Lindo. Yeah, so you have these smaller parts with these like yes. ginormous actors oh, you're as right. well. I forgot about his character. That was a, a really great... Um, when we're talking about like set piece, that was... Even an Asian we have in this as well. Remember when he's asking, where is the tic-tac-toe chicken? And he starts speaking in a yes, Chinese, I believe. you're right. So I, I felt the like... the devil it, speaks all languages. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I was satisfied, but you're right. The depiction of... Uh, they were stereotypical. Latinos was probably the most problematic. Um, so Ensemble, what are you giving this one? Oh, man. Um, I gave this... Uh, a four. Yeah, it's got to be a four. Know, it's a four. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Double yeah. Advocate is running away with this. I love I Know What You Did Last Summer. So Agreed. let's talk a little bit more about the surviving characters. I think this is one of the yeah. avenues that it might win, um, especially given what happens at the end of The Devil's Advocate. Uh, we have two people that survive. One, I think, is in the top five final girls ever. I love Julie James. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt's Julie James, the smart girl, the most empathetic. She, She's the only one that tries to stop what's going down. Yeah. The most affected by it afterwards as well. She used to be a straight-A student. Now she's failing her classes at college. You yeah. can see that despondency in her. Yeah, she was really on the decline there. Uh, I, I agree. I, I, I Like I said, I thought that, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and, and Sarah Michelle Keller were, were fantastic. But as far as like surviving characters, Jennifer Love Hewitt, yeah, that's... Um, Julie James. I think people would know who that is if you, mm-hmm. if you said to uh, even a, a mild horror fan, Julie James, they're going yeah. to go, 
So I know what you did. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm delusional when it comes to that. Um, but to me, that's her role. I know she was in some TV show forever. But yeah. when I think Jennifer Love Hewitt, that's what I think. Same, Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm thinking. Well, right. Stroke. You know, what's interesting is that I think right before this, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt worked with Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh. And I think Jamie Lee Curtis was like a mentor figure really? to Jennifer Love and would visit set. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I think it paid off. Agreed. I definitely think she's she's top she in the final girl world. Like a crash course in, in being a final girl. Let's talk about a final girl's means of escape. How did you like that final climactic scene against Ben out of the slicker as himself? So you're talking about how Freddie Prince sort of comes to the rescue. I'm talking about, let's talk about the whole sequence because okay. I did think it was ship. a fun sequence where we go through the entirety of the boat. We get yes. a real sense of the fisherman's boat. It yes. really kind of, also we get to see his little, uh, I don't know what you call the area where you're steering from. Uh, the st- steering room. There you go. <laughs> Um, you get to see like pictures on the wall of him. You get a sense of the killer. He made him more human, and mm-hmm. certainly now that he's out of the slicker, I, I, I liked the chase. I thought the chase was sort of believable. In the ice room, you get to see the dead bodies on ice as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, bring, bring it to the end yeah. when Freddie Prince saves the day ultimately. <laughs> yeah, it, he basically turned into like Errol Flynn, like uh, like like the ultimate pirate there, where he's and I know he's supposed to know his way around right. a ship. You got to cut him some slack on that, but. But it was very convenient how it all happened. Like with the, he's got the, uh, the big rope old that he, hook that he oh, slides yeah. at him and it hits him right in the face. Is that a jib? What's a jib? I was trying to figure out I what it is. I should have looked right. at it. I think that is a jib. <laughs> he gets hit in the face with a ginormous yeah. hook that yes. you, I think they use for the nets. Yes. And then and he swings out. Didn't too. break his nose or anything. He looks no, I know totally that, normal. Yeah. It should have knocked him out. There should have been something going on. At least yeah. a bloody nose or like, something. Like, you know, like when you're watching Home Alone, there's an iron imprint on uh, right. Pesci's face. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that was a little lame, but I did like that they set up the next one by taking yes. off his hand yeah. and then toss him in the water, yeah. similar to how it the, all starts, right? Toss div- him in the water, you don't know if he's dead or not. Right. I did like that. Um, we can actually talk about that last scene here with the surviving characters, too, because it is ambiguous before we know that there's a sequel. The actual like, shower scene? Yeah. Although, I that scene. yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it is, it's a good scene, definitely um, sort of teases, and they clearly knew they were going to do another movie, but... <laughs> the amount of steam in that shower. Well, and he was in there at that point, yeah. right? So he turned them all on. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. I mean, it was a lot, but it, it worked. Especially considering it worked. she stepped up for like 30 seconds. I mean, you could you could argue that it the, the location of this movie was like another character. Yeah. The, the fog and the right. mist and the steam at the end. Like Johnny Galecki, when he gets his... Yeah, uh, come up, come up, and there's a, a mist, and it kind of comes through that. Oh, that's interesting. So the the shower, it just made sense. It sort of. Well, I mean, you could kind of like an Ahab character in a way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going off to sea, being being the fisherman uh, on the hunt for the elusive prey, yeah. uh, messes with your mind, and mm-hmm. then of course you're going to see all that sort of like mist on the sea on a regular basis. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you're right. It was kind of like a character. So what are we giving this uh, Julie James? Let's focus on her as our final girl because we both got beef with Ray. Um, Surviving characters? Yeah, pentagram-wise. Three. Yeah, I give it a three, too. I want to give it a 3.5, but I think uh, the fact that Freddie Prince Jr. saved her yeah. immediately docks it for me I agree. a little bit. I completely agree. It was the only thing that they got wrong about it, the final girl. She should have saved the she day. She should have saved, she should've saved Freddie him. Prince. I completely agree. Maybe that happens in the second one. I kind of actually want to see. Um, okay, let's bust over our surviving characters, which is going to be a <laughs> tricky one on this. Yeah. Um, because there isn't really a surviving character. Well, you could argue that... There is. Okay. So 
So just so people know what we're talking about here, ultimately yes. uh, Keanu Reeves is forced to kill himself at the end mm -hmm. to prevent uh, essentially his dad from making him make the Antichrist with his sister. But then we have like an edge of tomorrow loop. You do. You do have a, a time jump. But couldn't you also argue that, I mean, I know this is almost like a dream sequence, but that, you know, he's back in that moment where he's looking at himself in the mirror mm -hmm. that that was the moment where you sort of decide, like, you're going down the wrong path. Right. Kind of thing. So did all that stuff actually happen? Okay. You know, that, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm arguing. Oh, I see. So could it have just been like, and granted, it was a long amount of time yeah. that, that goes, but right. was it actually time travel or was it, he was just there that whole time. He had a flash of like, yes. take this path. So it's a, yes. it's a Path takes so, uh, two right, different routes. and Right. So he could have been just reflecting on his current case. He's like, this This is what I'm doing. And if you look at that shot, yeah. and a lot of the times these characters in the movie are looking into the mirrors, it's distorted. Oh. Um, and in that shot is brilliantly, there's it's a mirror with like a, a bevel edge, and it's like another mirror. And his face, is uh, Keanu's face is almost split, like where one side is, is uh, oh, I didn't notice straight that. and the other yeah. side is sort of distorted. So that's what I'm getting at when okay, I say Okay, so maybe that, it no, didn't happen. So right. This is all like a fever dream could of sorts. Be. It could I, be. I like that idea. Yeah. I think it's better than the devil being able to manipulate time, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just being able to, but if he can split himself in two. Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. it's problematic to have the devil be able to time travel personally. Yes. Or help other people time travel even. Um, so, bring him back to life even. Right. Uh But yeah, I mean, ultimately we are going to talk about Kevin here being our surviving character because we can assume yeah. Charlize is dead. Frankly, you could say the devil is the surviving character because um, his, his sister gets it, right? Yes. She basically just, you know, gets mummified or yeah. what, whatever. Like the life is sucked out of her. Um, In terms of a male final figure, I do like it. The son of a devil is not something you see a lot. Right. Right? Because ultimately the son of the devil is normally pigeoned or, or positioned as the Antichrist. Right. But this is like one interim step, which I found kind of interesting. He wasn't the Antichrist himself, but he was, he like was the a vessel. conduit to yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought that. Because ultimately the devil doesn't have any humanity in him at all, right? And part of what makes uh, this potential Antichrist scarier is because he will have that half of Kevin Lomax that is his mom, mm -hmm. who's awesome herself, yes. right? Yes. As the Bible-thumping mom. That's scary in itself. Usually yeah. that character would be the one I'd be the most afraid of, <laughs> yeah. and I'm rooting for a Bible-thumper the first time in a film. Yeah. Um, okay, so what are we going to give him? I gave this a, a three. I gave it a two. I'm just going to Just because I don't know that, if it's... ambiguous. Yeah. I like ambiguity, and in terms of the movie as a whole, I mm -hmm. love it, but in terms of a final figure, whether or not he's an iconic final figure because right. he does kill himself as a final figure. Do you kill yourself? Well, sort of thing? Here, here's the thing. This is how I was looking at it is that, you know, we think that Keanu made the right decision, mm -hmm. but even the devil says, you know, vanity is like his favorite sin. He could have just gone down the same path again. That's true. Because ultimately, even his mother says he want, he loves sticking his nose in into the camera. So now when agreeing to do this interview the next day, he's going to be champing himself back up again. So that's why I was kind of looking at this as a, Fair. you know, he, we thought he did. He's just going to do the same thing all over yeah, again. Yeah, I think so too. It's cyclical. Yeah. And now maybe the, the devil knows what direction he took. He might be able to like yeah. off the yeah, life like it's a quicker. Game. It's a game. He's like, okay. Set so. things in motion. So he kind of like really commits right. to right. awfulness. 
Um, okay, let's pop back over. We yeah. get to talk about the setting uh, more profoundly in I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, we have Southport, North Carolina, a fishing town, sleepy yeah. and shallow, fairly shallow, because what, what do we see? We see Fourth uh, of July is ultimately mm -hmm. when this is set, and uh, two of the m most prominent scenes involve the parade, mm -hmm. which is kind of just like vapidness on display, and then, of course, the beauty pageant as well, right? <laughs> right. So the town isn't super profound, um, and I don't feel like the residents have a lot of hope. That's why it's kind of super sad when Sarah Michelle Gellar's character, who wants to become an actress, fails yeah. back working for sister at Shivers. Yeah. Um, what do you feel about the setting? I loved the setting. Yeah. I did. It's transported. I, I wrote isolated areas, the beach sites, the misty piers, the dark alleys, the twisted roads, the mysterious houses. Like even Anne uh, Hesh's character, her house oh, yeah. was like uh, I don't know. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I thought I I thought I heard that you know that house was used for another horror film, which would make sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. As we mentioned before, I felt like the setting was so strong that I could smell the rotting fish. Mm -hmm. You know, that for me was part of the ambience yeah. and the mood that was set. Yeah. You can smell dead things in this, like it, yeah. rot, like something that was that has been ruined, not allowed to live out its full life, and like these characters ultimately have been ruined really by yeah. this incident. I mean, everything we, we've learned about these characters. In this town it's all like rooted in like a tragedy yeah from the very beginning where um i forget is, is it brian Robert? he's sitting on top of the mountain and it's like one of the first shots you're like what's going on here yeah that's that's a good point and i do feel like even though coastal towns are nothing new Right? right, in terms of horror as a whole. I do feel like the way that they focused on the um, dichotomy between the affluent and the poor, specifically with Freddie Prince's character, um, and you can even go beyond that and argue uh, the initial, who's the, who's the kid that he, he pushes off at the top? That ultimately they think is the oh, murderer. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, I can't remember that character's name. Brian or? Okay, yeah, so ultimately the boy who kills our main villain's oh. daughter in a car crash, right? right. Of all things. Um, I'm sorry, David Egan? David Egan. Right? Doesn't that yes. sound right? Okay. Um, so I kind of got the sense that this guy was like Sarah Michelle Gellar's and Ryan Felipe's and Julie James's character, a little more privileged, yep. and his poor daughter was killed because this guy was reckless and yeah. you know, was yeah. rich enough to have a car in high school, which wasn't everybody, right? Sure. Um, so there, I felt like there's some interesting stuff going on in terms of the setting and just even... The way they positioned certain things um, height-wise, you know, you have him at the top and then at the beach. Um, where does where does the crash happen? Kind of in the middle of where you see yeah. Brian versus them at the beach, um, where the, the the classes kind of clash almost right sure. there. I sure. don't know. Status, I might be digging you know? too much, and I might be jumping into the deeper meetings here. Um, but okay, so what are we going to give settings in terms of pentagrams? Um, I gave this settings four. Wow. I give it a three. I think we have like, but you, it's in the running now. It's, it's close again. You know, what's interesting now is that I sort of, um, giggled when <laughs> they're talking about Dawson's Creek at the beginning. Did you catch that? I didn't catch that. No. So they said, let's go down to Dawson's Creek, which is another show right. that Kevin Williamson created. That's right. So he created this world. And now I'm thinking, is this the same world that Scream is taking place in? So that kicked it up for me and that's why it gave me a four because there's a whole world that this guy what has he done lately because I love Kevin Williamson but um, he's kind of like he could have been a Stephen King and created his own Castle Rock world right sure he absolutely could have he's, have he's done so many things uh, Vampire Diaries I think is probably one he does oh, technically gets credit for the, the Scream TV series okay because he probably created the characters uh, I think um, well he created the following Vampire Diaries and Time After Time are probably his most recent hits 
which could take place in the same yeah, universe. But he's not as prolific as as King. He does. No. seems like he maybe made that payday and is chilling, just yeah. taking producer credits <laughs> now. Probably. Uh, which is a bummer. Come back to us, Mr. Williamson. Yeah. We need you. So I gave I gave it a four. Because I gave it a three. So that's still good though, as a whole. Um, I, it probably beats because Screams was his other like big dog. Yes. I think it probably beats Scream setting, even though Scream Woodsboro, you know more than Southport. Right. Would you say as a whole, the meaning of the setting? Worked more for me, and I know what you did. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's talk about the setting of the Devil's Ad. We have two main settings. Ultimately, it starts out in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, here we have like warmth, brightness, and greenery of Florida. Everyone's kind of in good spirits, even though he's winning like something he probably shouldn't have won yes. in terms of getting off exactly. that child molester. There's still Ugh. there's still a sense of hope there, um, and of course that shifts when we move to the concrete jungle. And he's overwhelmed with money and power. And New York is really shown as like sterile. It's almost like a neo-gothic is the way that I would put it. Yeah. Yes. Sterile. Um, the, the world that we're seeing through these characters is also privileged. It's True. just high upper class. Uh, from the building he lives in to the, uh, the, the law offices that they, they work out of. Yeah. Um, and in terms of when I was talking about just like, I see, we see much more vibrant colors when they're in yeah. Florida. Yep. And then even when she tries to bring color the to the world, to the, the greens on the wall, or and she keeps getting poo-pooed ultimately. Yeah. No, 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 no. I yeah. don't like that green. I don't like that green. Which ultimately you could say green always has that connection to growth. And, and, and money. Or and, fertility, right? Well, um, and then money, of course, right. as well. But then even when, when the green is poo-pooed by Jackie, she switches to yellow, which yellow, is sun right. and light. And right. ultimately, it's normally overcast from what I saw yeah. in most of the New York outside You're right. shots. Um, there's only one time where the sun peeks through in a natural setting, and that's when Jeffrey Jones is bludgeoned by the homeless people. Oh, yeah. when he's so ultimately, the after. only <laughs> natural scene in New York City is where we have yeah. one of our most gruesome deaths. You're right. You're right. And that invisibility, is that supposed to be the devil then? Do you think those yeah. homeless people was also him? I okay. Think so. I All think right. They weren't just minions. like possessed by him? No, I okay. think he was controlling them or creating them, right? Yeah, manifesting there you something. Go. That's yeah. the word. Um, uh, and of course, yeah, it's just a cold, empty feel encompasses the latter act of the film. Um, then we pop over to that luxury apartment building. We get a good sense of the law firm as well, which has a very yeah. similar aesthetic. Um, but the infinity pool was pretty awesome, right? It was right? pretty cool. Uh, the walkout. With, it's, that, he opens the doors to that, like the revolving doors. The little tap doors. on the doors. Yeah. Um, but you could see there, I loved how it kind of like pointed to he's trying his best to have the power God has, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's trying to have this infinity flavor um, over the biggest city. Overlooking down on people, yeah. Uh, So I did love that scene. Um, And at that point, we don't know that he's the devil. I mean, theoretically, though the title would suggest otherwise. Um, And, of course, Kevin is still hopeful. Yeah. There's still... What did you... you, Just that scene right there, I want to ask you a question or your opinion. So when they're walking around on the rooftop, we've already learned that Keanu Reeves' character, Kevin... Uh, identifies people and can learn a lot about them by their shoes. Oh. And there's a quick shot down to Al Pacino's shoes. And they look like they're they're healed, like a, a healed boot. Did you notice like that? Like he's got hooves? Is That's that what, what you're suggesting? I was thinking. Yes. I didn't actually notice that at the time, yes. but that would make a because lot of sense. It's early in the film, so sort of like allude to the fact that he might be a, something else. And that actually then connects with the scene where Kevin is going to meet the goat sacrificer. Yes. Played by Delroy Lindo. I can't remember that character's name. No. But um, 
the kid mentions show him your shoes because he's wearing yes. alligator alligator skin shoes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure right. it's some sort of reptilian skin. Uh, so ultimately, his shift is starting to occur, and he's becoming um, certainly less empathetic. Uh, uniqueness as a setting? Not, not really. I mean, you know, unless you're talking about some specific things that the devil has added mm-hmm. to the set pieces, like just even his large fireplace yeah. was trying to, was to cool. create something a little bit different. But I mean, you're also, what are you, are, what are we in Madison Square Garden for that boxing fight? Right. I mean, it, it's just a lot of cliche New York thing. I agree with you. I liked the, the breadth of it, but I didn't think mm-hmm. it was necessarily original because you do get to see the slums. You get to see the subway. Yeah. I love that he loves the subway. He likes to be in the... Underground. Yes. Right? That makes a lot of sense. That, yeah. that was fun thematically. Um, but yeah, uh, I love the usage, the uniqueness. Dropped it to a three for me. Three? Yeah. Yeah, definitely three a three. For settings here. Uh, heading to the fun stuff, deeper meanings, and I know what you did last summer. <laughs> it might be a little tough. Yeah, it was a little but tough. I kind of touched on it a little bit before. I think it's really about class warfare more yep. than anything else. Class and um, t- just very on the nose of doing the right thing. You mm-hmm. know, um, true. The it's, truths will always rise to the surface. Yes, and and ultimately selfishness. Mm-hmm. People were being very selfish in this movie too. You, they're all talking about their their dreams and their goals, and won't let something like someone's life get in the way of it. It was like the ultimate. Right. That's like, a good point. Ultimately, the, you have a like addiction being Felipe's addiction, and actually you could say pride. Yeah, we and could, then Helen's is vanity. Vanity. Right? We could connect these movies. Um, these two movies in 1997 here about ethics. Oh, yeah. You know, it's when about- did 7 come out? Is that, I, I don't know. It oh, feels like, I, that may I have know. been before that, like 95, 96. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, just to like uh, go a little more into the, de- the weeds with the classism stuff, you have the blue-collar fishermen who may be rough and gruff. And I mean, you could even say that uh, to a certain degree, Freddie Prince and Johnny Galecki's fishermen kind of are destined to lose the women in their lives, yeah. similar to how our main uh, antagonist loses his daughter. There's something about... The disconnect that happens when you are forced to work these sort of manual labor, tough jobs that force you to be alone so much. Um, but the irony is the town is vibrant because of the fishing industry. And yes. The affluent folks are somewhat indebted to the yeah, working they would be class, lost. even though they shit on them. You know, yeah, they'd be lost without it. Um, beyond that, I found it interesting that just months prior to this being released in 1997, Princess Diana dies in the car crash. Oh, interesting. And beginning at least, uh, they questioned the circumstances of it going down. And frankly, when I was talking about the uh, kind of disintegration of fairy tale romance, uh, you could say, I mean, she was a princess and then she, she was, ultimately yeah, separated from him. And I think she was with her new dude interesting. Um, at the time. So just like the... yeah. Uh, you need to be a little more realistic about romance. Um, might be something that it's getting to. Personal connections for you? Not really. Not really. I mean, I, I, I certainly didn't gravitate to any of these characters. Um, I wasn't uh, the quarterback. Yeah. I wasn't in any... There were a little stock in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, I feel like, if anything, it, <laughs> my personal connection may have been just the fact that it was, it was happening when I was in high school right. in the 90s. Uh, <laughs> the fashion. Yeah. So the, my, my connection might just be the fact that it looked familiar. And the soundtrack. And the soundtrack. Good soundtrack. Yeah. 
Um, I also just, I remember I had the poster from working at Hollywood Video. Yeah. So it was on my <laughs> wall for so long, just staring at Buffy as I do. That's that's pretty much my personal obsession. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, Jennifer LaFeud, early crush for me. Yes. she She's amazing, but like I was I was silly about Buffy for a while there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in terms of deeper meanings, what are we giving pentagrams? Two. I give it 2.5. Okay. 2.5. A little extra juice because I saw that class stuff. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, deeper meanings going on in Devil's Ad. Yeah. Uh, just aside from the all of the biblical uh, Right. And Faustian stuff and yeah. the Milton Paradise Lost stuff. Yeah. I think um, it also just came down to ethical choices and doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that evil exists in many forms. Yeah. You know, they... they um, just even to take a crack at the legal system here and how corrupt it is. Right. When Keanu's talking about how he was listening in from the other yes, room. to the jurors. Well, how are we supposed to like this character? Unethical. No, he wasn't He likeable. makes choices just to be number one. Frankly, Mare, even, even though she was so happy and bright in Florida, her job was like a repo woman. Correct. That's not really not, likable character. Not likable. And then the other thing you could say about this um, movie and the message is, is um, the pressure society puts on women to fit in, mm-hmm. um, to look a certain part. Like when he's telling her too. that her hair is wrong and yes, right. to have kids. So there was a lot of... Uh, I think it was right about the hair, though. <laughs> that was very 90s, perm, though. That yeah. was a very 90s thing, that curl. Was it perm in the 90s? That, was Th- that, the... that look, yeah. There okay, were, like, all right. You, you could look at... Well, Carrie Russell was very popular at the time. All right. She had the similar okay. curl hair. and um, I like the new haircut better. Agreed. Um, but I also, yes, yeah, we talked about with the baby thing, I think one of the most interesting aspects about it was even though they now had the money to afford having a child, he was never going to be there. So the irony is like, once you have the capacity yeah, to really provide for the kid, are you going to be emotionally providing for it in the same way? Cause she mentioned all of her sister have multiple kids and yeah. They're not working for the devil. Of course, it dips into the taboo stuff like the incest, too. Yes. And also just Temptation. like, as you mentioned, the weirdness between um, like your spouse's uh, boss, almost. Yes. Like, just gets yeah. into a lot of weirdness in that zone. Yeah, uh, upper class, white uh, white collar jobs, mm-hmm. the, the weird stuff that's going yes. on between um, men and secretaries. Right. And, you know, just... Me Too stuff before it was happening, absolutely. even, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, commentary and Times. I don't know. This might be a stretch, but I just Microsoft became the biggest company in the world that year with 261 billion. You could ar- almost argue, Jeez. like in the same way, he's starting to control people. Yeah. Microsoft is also, you know, this yeah. is the beginning of the an, Windows culture, or not Windows culture, but screens where we're yeah. just absorbed with screens. It was in every home, like the devil. Everyone had Windows at that time. If you think about it, this was before Apple really sort of broke through. Um, so you're right. Uh, deeper meanings. What are we given in terms of pentagrams? Four. Uh, I'm going to give it a three because okay. I feel like it's doing stuff that's already been done. Sure. I, I think the, the whole plot line relies on deeper meanings here. True. Yeah. I don't know if they're necessarily like original takes. Correct. But they're, they're classic. They're amazing. I love the Faustian stuff. Oh, Selling yeah. your soul to the devil. You can never go wrong. And I feel like that probably does it better than any other. Yeah. What, what is the, the, the classic um, the devil and Daniel Webster or... I don't okay. know. It's it's basically yeah, a story about a guy um having to do business with the devil. Oh, okay. We have to check that one out. Um okay, final category, fright factor, heading back to I know what you did last summer. Just off the bat, because we did mention Scream before. Do you think this one is scarier or less scary than Scream? Well, uh, it's for me, I think um this was less scary. Okay. 
Uh, I think it's on on par. Okay, personally. Uh, well, here, if if Scream didn't have the opening sequence with Drew oh, Barrymore, yeah. it would be right. tied. That's a good point. I think that's one of the, the greatest. That's right, this doesn't film. really have a tag, does it? Our, our opening tag, an opener that's really no, profound. No, it's the it's the um, the pageant, I believe. Oh, and, and then Billy or Brian at the top, right? Brian at the top yeah. of this little thing. It's a little weak at the top. Yes. I'm with you there. Yes, um, it doesn't really grab us. But as we talked about the setting, it kind of creates that setting as character sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I see. I, nothing beats that opener and scream. Um, we have a kill count of six. To seven, if you count Ben's daughter, who dies prior to the events here. But I love the quality of the kills in this. I think the quality of the kills were on par with some of the the great slashers of the the '80s. Um, your Michael Myers kills, your your Jason Voorhees kills. Did anyone miss the mark for you? Any well, of the kills not work? Yeah, there are a couple death scenes where they 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 they're it's almost just insinuated, like the Ryan Felipe. Yeah. Okay, when he's in the balcony, yes. while she's in the, uh, in the pageant, yeah. essentially like handing over her him. crown. The actual, yeah, the viscera we see there is not sufficient. Why right. I'm going to defend that scene sure. is because then it comes so much more about Helen and Helen's uh, unwillingness to look like a fool in front of masses, right? Mm-hmm. And now suddenly everybody is questioning her when she's going crazy. Something's happened in the balcony. He's going to kill him in the balcony, right? Yeah. I think it just makes uh, Helen's ultimate escape, or attempted escape, that much more potent. Now you f- you see a change in Helen. Helen, I think, has been taught a lesson in a way that Ryan Felipe's character is not taught a lesson. Right, and that's why she has such a more profound death for me. Yeah, I think than his. Yeah, he's kind of her- empty. He doesn't change. You're right. You're right. He's a dick the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Even when he just sucker punches. Uh, uh, Freddie Prince, like when he runs up to him, he's blaming him. He punches him. Like, <laughs> That's right. This is all because of you. Yeah. So uh, I, I should say I don't think these kills were iconic like Freddie and Jason. I just think some of the, um, the like the Johnny Galecki hook to the chin was. That's kind of iconic. Yes. No, like I've never seen a hook go right. up through the bottom of the jaw before, and that's something they spoof and spoof and scary, scary movie. Yes. So I feel like if you made it in the if someone's movie, doing a parody of it, you're yeah, right. kinda. Um, additionally, I really love Buffy's. Maybe I know I'm biased on it, but just that whole shiver sequence um, after she gets out of the cop car, right? Yes. So the cop's the, kill is kind of weak. The cop kill is kind of weak, but it also sets up this, and it has been set up, but the fact that um, uh, the fisherman, he's willing to kill anybody now. Right. He's True. not just doing revenge. That's he, a good he's point. He's basically lost his mind, and he's Full at on like, psycho. Jason Voorhees, kill yeah. whoever's in my way to get this done. So I think that scene was necessary. Um, the 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 chasing, the cat and mouse of of chasing Sarah Michelle Gellar, oh I thought was gosh. great. Uh, that's one of my favorite great. cat and mouses ever. Yeah, ultimately great between the elevator um, and when she sees Alice's body, that's like that's pure yeah. pure frightening. I, just the, it's like slumped over the toilet sort yeah. of thing or against the toilet. Um, and just to go back to her kill, I mean, you don't really see the gore as much, but his uh, his reflection yeah. in in the mirror, or not the mirror, but the uh, the door, the glass door behind her, mm-hmm. right before he pretty much just slashes, I assume, into the side of her face yeah. with the hook. I don't know. Uh, she, the fright in her eyes was there for me. It was it was a great kill, in my opinion. Yeah. 
especially the payoff of getting uh, Sarah Michelle to see her body then yeah. later. I thought the the cinematography on this movie was yeah, pretty good. Yeah, very slick. Yeah. Sharp. I loved it. I did love the uh, the cinematography. Um, I think we covered all those kills. And again, the music design, I think, really helped it as well. Great score. It's That's James um, Howard Newton. James Newton Howard, who I can't think of his name. I'm he's sure. a classic. Um, he's done. He's still working on Hollywood films. Oh, wow. He's, he's a, a legend. Yeah, I think it definitely, when you hear the music for it, it's like, oh, I know that. I know that theme yeah, song. Yeah, James Newton Howard. Um, scariest scene for you? What was it? Man, you know, that's interesting. Uh, I don't know if, if, if anyone, like, they're really scary. Yeah. But they were great quality of kills. So I could say my favorite was probably Johnny Galecki's death. Why did he kill Johnny Galecki? Uh, because he's willing, because he was there that night too, and he didn't do True. anything. He was in his truck, he, he drove around, but you know, he he, his body was there in the ground. Right. So as far yeah. as the fisherman knows, he was there. That's a good point. Yeah, I think his was pretty scary. Uh, I don't know. I think it's the sister, Elsa, for me. Just yeah. like her turning around and he's there turning after around, locking the door. And just the urgency of Sarah being like, let me in, let me in. Just that moment where she's trying to get in and mm-hmm. she has to go get the keys. That was kind of spooky for me. Yeah. And I would say like the very end, the little teaser was kind of spooky too. I know you didn't oh, like the, the mist. Yeah. But too much well, mist or whatever. It was a lot, but it was fun because it reveals that there's a message the I note, still know. The note. Yeah, exactly. That same handwriting. That to me is like that more subtle, scary yeah. stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, we, no, Built that. You see what's going on in her head. Yeah, they built towards I that. Definitely appreciated that. Uh, pentagrams. What do we give in Fright Factor? I gave it a three. Me too. Me too. Me too. Uh, Devil's Advocate. Fright Factor. Um, okay. So quality of kills in this. Uh, Pretty much everybody dies except for the devil at some right. point, right? Except maybe Jackie. Jackie doesn't die. Uh, or Jeffrey Jones's wife. We don't see her right, die. Right. Um, Did you find the the deaths to be like satisfying? Or, or? Charlie's the Runs was phenomenal. Yeah. But that's like more of a suicide. Granted, you could say he's in her head. Then, True. Right. True. He, making her go crazy. He was there. I, I would picture he was probably in the the woman who was just standing there doing nothing. Oh, I the, would the say, secretary. Yeah, yes. I would say that was him. Just you think of, that's him well, too? Because, because he didn't get in the way and he was letting it happen. He didn't try to stop anything. She didn't do anything. But my, she, my wonder is, is she just a corrupted human? Because then you're making me think anyone hmm. that was working for him ultimately takes over, Could right? Have. I don't I don't know what's going on. To make sure his plan for getting um, Keanu's character to get back basically with his sister, yeah. he was going to just do whatever it took to, get, to make it happen. Uh, yeah. No, uh, I think that's an interesting uh, theory. It could very well be that they lose themselves entirely. If you see that demon in them, that means... He's they're owned entirely by the mm-hmm. devil. Um, Jeffrey Jones's bludgeoning, I thought, was <laughs> built up too fun. The actual payoff of it was uh, so so. Yeah. Um, who, who else dies? Am I missing? Of course, the sister's death is fun at the end. Yes. And beyond that, does anybody else die? I don't think so. I mean, you got the alluded to girl in the trunk. We don't know how she dies. He's just by right. that jerk. Right. But yeah. But you don't see it, so it doesn't count. I think in terms of the fear factor, what really works for this are those demon moments where mm-hmm. you see them just like come through just a little bit. Music and sound design for Devil's Advocate? It was, in terms of the fry factor, did it add to it? No, not not for me. And yeah, here, here, here's why I'm going to say that, because I feel like the thing that you just described with the um, the demons was was very fun. But it's also what dates this movie mm. to make it feel like it it's very 1997. Um I the, could see the special that. effects weren't there yet. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There was something just, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's definitely dated, but it's it was an effective one for me okay. for some reason. Just like the, the squirming of like the hands within her skin. Yeah, that was cool. That, that I is mean, it's kinda, definitely cool. Kind of scary. I mean, yeah, I see where you're coming from. You're going to actually make me bump it down a bit. I'm going to do 2.5 on the Fry Factor for Devil's okay. Advocate. Yeah, I gave it just a two. I give it more like an airy, spooky than a scary. Yeah, exactly. It was a fun story. Even though you got to give it to Pacino. Like, he's in the church, and he's boiling up the holy water, yeah. and just, like, kind of, like, looking at the mural, yeah. the, the religious mural. It's like, ha! Like a, like a Nelson sort of ha-ha at yeah. God. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I did like that. I thought the, oh, the death of the DOJ guy, the uh Justice person uh, right. who was trying to investigate Jeffrey Jones's character getting right. hit by the car, pretty pretty frightening. Yeah, that's like a real sort of death. But I'm with you there. Um, okay, so let's figure out who the uh, winner of that year is. I have a feeling it's uh, Devil's Advocate. Yeah. If I was to total mine, um, Devil's Advocate gets twenty, and I know you did last summer. Gets a seventeen. I have an 18.5 on The Devil's Advocate, and I have a... Drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) 17. So for me, Devil's Advocate wins. Same for you? Same for me. So there you go. The bell has rung, ladies and gentlemen. The most iconic mainstream horror film of 1997 is The Devil's Advocate. Advocate, which was directed by Taylor Hackford. Um, awesome movie. Highly suggest it. Maybe not the sort of like scare factor you're looking for, but I tell you what, it, it creeps up in you. Uh, I think it haunts you in a way that maybe I know what you did last summer does not. Um, I want to thank Chris thank for you. being a awesome guest as usual, or co-host rather. Um, Chris, how do people follow you? What, what are you up to? Um, they can follow me on Instagram uh, at monsterpulse or at Set in Horror. Those are two podcasts um, rooted in horror. Uh, one is a weekly show, Monster Pulse, and the other is, actually, I'm recording some new interviews as we speak. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you can find me there, and those are on all podcast platforms as well. And I highly encourage you to go to See Monsters on Monsters. YouTube. Yeah, yep. You can go to www.cmonsters.tv or youtube.com slash cmonsters. And you can see some of the uh, ridiculous horror comedy shorts we've done. Some are like legit horror too. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think you'll enjoy them. Of course, if you want to support the podcast, uh, check out my novel, Company Dreamer, companydreamer.com. And Compudactyl's third album will be out in a mere six days called They Would Know It Was Us. So keep an ear open for that. Until the next time, the bell's rung.